1: I'm Danny Austin. This is the live from the 55 podcast coming at you. I don't know why I yelled like that from our Marta Calgary, Alberta studios. We're recording on a Thursday. Why are we recording on a Thursday and dropping this episode on a Friday? It has nothing to do with the playoffs, to be perfectly honest with you. I was very sick this week. I am still very sick, bloated, stuffy, all the things you want for recording a podcast. Uh, That also airs on YouTube. So just, just feeling great, looking great. But I'm excited, guys. It is playoff football time. You got the Hampton Tiger Cats and Montreal Alouettes coming up on Saturday. You got the Calgary Stampeders, who I've covered for many years, for the second year in a row, traveling to Vancouver, to the indoor palace of BC Place, taking on the BC Lions. Two fun games, hopefully. I mean, I definitely think that the East Division game is fun, and there's a little bit of intrigue in that West Division game, too. Um... To set up the rest of the podcast, uh, not just complain about being sick. Got Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. We got a couple episodes here left. Um, if the stamps lose on Saturday, we will definitely be recording with Ian Busby on Sunday morning, and then we'll probably do a great cup show previewing that. But um if the stamps keep playing, we'll keep recording. but uh, hopefully two episodes after this one before we take a little bit of, little bit of a break uh, for the off season. Uh, I got a lot on my plate. I'm moving a couple weeks here. uh, I'm covering the Calgary Flames. So, yeah, so just, uh, I don't know, we've had such a fun time this season, and I wanted to make sure I brought Jeff back because he is so smart, and I wanted to make sure that we had lots and lots of time to talk about everything going on in the CFL. All-Stars were released today. Uh, I am not going to do a big rant on anything, to be perfectly honest with you. I think that the voters did a pretty good job this year. Are there a couple questions? Of course there are a couple questions. There are always going to be a couple questions, but you know, there's gonna be debate. Um, I will say that I was quite pleased. I thought, look, I have one complaint, which is that Cameron Judge, Calgary St. Peters linebacker, was not voted as an all-star. Uh, I I sort of feel like sometimes we only vote based on sort of tackling totals. And that's absurd. If you watched the Calgary Stampeders this year, you know that Cam Judge was probably, like I I had him and Mike Rose as the top sort of defensive players on the team. I am 100% not trying to take away anything from Micah Alway right now. But you look at the biggest games of the year for the Stampeders. Cam Judge had that huge pick six against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders a couple weeks ago. Then he forced a fumble against the BC Lions on the goal line. Um, His numbers: 90 defensive tackles, five interceptions, two sacks, Touchdown. Honestly, it was an incredible season and I wish Cam Judge had been rewarded. But luck, like, I'm a voter here. I'm pretty happy with who I voted for in general. I, I, I feel like the voters did a good job. Um the debate is part of the point, but this is not a year where I necessarily feel like there's a ton to yell and shout about. Uh there's always gonna be slight problems on the offensive line. Sometimes the defensive backs, it's not perfect, but um where's the outrage not here you can find it somewhere else uh elsewhere cfl you know we we got the awards finalists uh no real surprises i don't think most outstanding player you got brady Oliveira out of winnipeg there's always going to be him versus chad kelly i have been very openly saying chad kelly should win um i maintain that i stand by that i have not voted yet on this award uh but when push comes to shove, shove, uh, I still have kind of Chad Kelly there. But I think Brady Olivera's has had an amazing season. We'll see. That one's closer than I thought it was going to be. It's closer than I thought it was going to be. Most outstanding defensive player. You got Matthew Betts of the BC Lions. You got Adarius Pickett. Toronto, I think, given Matthew Betts sack numbers. Um, I imagine that we see Matthew Betts take that. Most outstanding Canadian, Olivera and Decoy. Uh this is where I think that Oliveira does not win most outstanding player, but he wins most outstanding Canadian, and that's very well deserved. Um O-line, which Marcus Hardrick and Dejon Allen. Um, I am going to have to speak to some people about this one. Uh I, I think Dejon Allen had a pretty great season, though wouldn't surprise me if he won that one, but also Hardrick's uh Hardricks one of the greats. So look, I'm just going through all this. I don't know if this was really the plan, but as I said, I'm, I'm sort of sick of sustaining special team. Sean White, Javon Leak. I'm going to vote for Javon Leak there. Most outstanding rookie, K. Gray versus Qantas Stiggers. Not even going to pretend that I've thought about that one for a second. Going to have to do some thinking. And Mike O'Shea and Ryan Dinwiddie for Coach of the Year. This one will obviously be Ryan Dinwiddie sort of solidifying his place. Like, they went 16-2. and They had a first-year starting quarterback. Ryan Dinwiddie did some amazing things with that Toronto Argonauts football team this year. So, uh, I think that one... With all due respect to Mike O'Shea, who's a leader of men and a great coach. I think that will be Ryan Didwitty. But, yeah, beyond that, Alouettes-Ticats. How much fun is that game? Uh, Alouettes have really come on in the back half of the year. TyCats, though, they got a lot of experience there. As we know, the TyCats tend to play pretty well come playoff team. play playoff time. So, going to be fast into there. If I'm picking a team, I'm picking the Montreal Alouettes for now. I have a little bit more just look. I, I think that that defense is great and I think that they have come alive. They've shown me what they needed to show me. Um, and yeah, then you have the Calgary Stampeders and BC Lions. And before I break anything about this down, I really, really want to make this point. I'm going to make this point a couple of times during the podcast, um, man, Mugs Pub, who's been a sponsor from, from pretty much from the start of the season. I talk about Mugs Pub as a place where you can watch Buffalo Bills games I talk about monk's pub the place where i like wednesday Night trivia i've talked about their daily specials their their weekly events and and stuff going on and all sorts of stuff they are they've got a great nfl community there um guys they're gonna be showing the stamps game with sound this saturday uh, i'm definitely going to drop in i want to be clear with that uh i'm also covering the flames game after the stamps game um clearly won't be drinking because i got some work to do but um that's awesome man if you are looking for a place in this city showing the stamps game with sound on mugs pub man this is uh that's the place to be honestly these guys have been so supportive of us the cfl podcast this little podcast covering our little niche in the in the canadian sports world and it's just awesome like that's I don't think we realize, and I think that if you're listening outside of Calgary, you might not realize how few places are gonna have have the sound on. Um, and Muggs Pub is really rising the occasion, giving CFL fans, giving Calgary Stampeder's fans, maybe giving BC Lions fans. I don't know how many are there. There are here in Calgary. Give them a spot to come, congregate, have fun, have a couple drinks, have some of their pizza. Guys, their pizza is so good. Also, their fish and chips. I, again, I played trivia at Muggs for a long time. But anyways, just want to like honestly, and I'm, I'm not doing this as an ad read. Our ad reads come on before the guests, after the guests. I'm doing this because I honestly think it's really cool, and I just want to thank Mugs Pub for real, not just for sponsoring us, but for doing this. And I can't wait to see you guys there Saturday. So if you you know, DM me on Twitter, hit me up, whatever, let me know you're popping by. But thank you to Mugs Pub. Make sure that's a spot to be. That's where we're going to be watching the game on uh, on Saturday evening. Um, but, yeah, Stamps Lions. We talked about this a little bit with Jeff, so I'm not going to go too far into it. Uh, having a tough time predicting this one We did see the Stampeders lay a bit of a beating on the Lions, but um, I think the Lions have been the better team all year. So uh, we've seen that. I don't know what reason we have to doubt them right now. They lost a game that truly didn't matter all that much to them. We can say that it did. They can say that it did. I don't think that they opened up their whole playbook. I think that they tried to hide a lot from the Stamps, and the Stamps played great that game. They played better than they played in any other game this season. So full marks there. We are not taken away from the Stamps' performance. But we have to be realistic, and I don't know how you pick against the Lions in that game. Um, Surprise me. The Stamps have not won a playoff game in five years. Can you believe that? 2018 Grey Cup, last game that they have won in the postseason in the CFL. That magical night at Commonwealth Stadium when the field was covered in ice. Scary Terry Williams, massive kick return touchdown. Man, that was a magical night. That was the end of an era, although we didn't know it. Alex Singleton, Jameer Thurman, Brandon Smith, Jamar Wall, Levi Mitchell. I'm not going to try to name the receivers because honestly it was one of the weirdest receivers groups of all time, but I believe Bakari Grant, Chris Matthews. It's a lot of, a lot of injured guys in, in late season replacements. Anyways, that was an amazing season. Don Jackson, my guy. Shout out Don Jackson, running back for the Stamps. That was an awesome team, but they have not won since that. So this is a big, big day. But um, make sure you watch the bugs. Honestly, I am picking the Lions. I do suspect that Sunday morning I am going to be here with Ian Busby being like, Ian, what happened? Tell me what happened. But, um, yeah, we'll be watching. We'll stop by Mugs. I believe I'm going to then come to this here studio and do the afterburner. Uh, no, I'm not. That's going to be next week. But, um, either way, guys, I'm having a great time. It's been a fun season. we got a couple episodes left here. At least one, probably two. Um, let's go to Jeff Hamilton. Honestly, you know him. You love him. He's one of my closest friends around the league. Just I think he's he's the smartest guy. Uh, smartest guy going, whatever that means. <laughs> Anyways, thank you to Muggs. Thank you to Fraser and Fig. Thanks to everybody for watching. Make sure, guys, I'm telling you, Muggs Pub on Saturday night. It's going to be a spot to be. They got the sound on. Huge supporters of the CFL, huge supporters of this podcast, and we appreciate them so much, and I appreciate you as listeners. Let's go to Jeff Hamilton. Guys, let's say you're having a party. Let's say you're having a picnic. Let's say you're having any occasion. Got to talk to you about Fraser and Fig. So I love these guys here in Martin A couple storefronts down from our studio here. Fraser and Fig, man. These guys do these delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie boxes. You know, they're made with all these fresh artisanal ingredients, on-demand grazing, pickup, delivery. You got it. Just let them know what you want. They will get it to you. Honestly, I'm such a big fan. I had a picnic a little while ago. I brought one of their curated boxes. and It was a huge hit. I looked great. People loved it hungry they weren't hungry anymore these ready to go boxes they got them in four sizes all their boxes come with meat cheese dried fruit fresh fruit nuts olives pickles and carrots their selections vary from month to month choices are always new you know just because they've had one doesn't mean you've had them all i love Fraser and fig i love having them as a sponsor they're the best make sure you check them out tell them live from the 55 sent you all right jeff hamilton Winnipeg free press one of our last couple episodes had to get you back on buddy how you doing
0: great man great to be on i always love uh Talking shop with you about this, the three down game, and uh, what a perfect time to do it as we head into the playoffs here. So yeah, g- g- glad to be here, man.
1: Yeah, man. Is it all? It's all quiet in Winnipeg right now. It seems like, eh. Just everyone's an all star. <laughs> um, I guess I should ask. Let's start. I mean, how did it feel to be one of the vote- Winnipeg voters who got it so wrong by picking Brady Oliveira as MOP despite him having a you know historically great season? That
0: so I have a cop out. I didn't vote this year. No. <laughs> no, because because as you know, as the you know, as I'm the president of the Football Reporters of Canada, I get a I actually am in charge of the tiebreaker. And so okay. it just didn't make any sense for me to be getting two votes, right? In a democratic process. So in the event that I already have to decide whether it, you know, the market be Winnipeg or another market, it just didn't seem like it made much sense. So I passed my vote. And I guess my criticism <laughs> onto uh, my colleague Taylor Allen at the Winnipeg Free Press, but to answer your question, man, I, you know it's funny to me. Like, it's uh, you know I I think it's you know it, it was obviously a tight race between between Brady Oliver and Zach Caleras. The the votes, as as you know, you know there's five voters. Uh, mm-hmm. It was three to two, so it wasn't like it was oh Brady's a runaway, you know, um, and and obviously some consideration for Zach. Uh, who, who, you know, to add to his argument, did put up better numbers than he has in previous years that he's won uh, the award. Now, I think the big difference in that is this might be not only in the West Division, um, one of the more tighter races with, you know, obviously between Brady Olivera and, and Zach, but also Vernon Adams was was a guy who who certainly yeah. deserved a lot of consideration, and Matthew Betts who. You know, turns out to be the West nominee for, you know, most outstanding defensive players. So, you know, and, and you look at over at the East with Chad Kelly, I think this is the closest race, you know, one of them. I know a lot of people are talking about Chad Kelly being a slam dunk uh, and whatnot. But regardless of, of that feeling, this is easily one of the closest MOP races in my opinion than we've seen in years right Zach didn't really have a ton of competition over the last couple seasons after he beat out guys in the west so um it's great to see an east candidate like Chad Kelly come out but yeah the criticism you know and I think there's a little bit I don't think there's a ton but I think the criticism is going to come because you know that if Zach Claris got voted in it would have been the Winnipeg voters snubbed their own guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it would have been, I think there would have been more outrage if Brady, you know, or arguably more outrage had Brady Olivera knock out the
1: vote. So, and not that this should be, like, the deciding factor, but I will say that if it was Zach and Chad Kelly, I would have clearly had Chad Kelly. Like, it feels closer to me with Olivera and Chad Kelly than it would have with Zach and Chad Kelly. Now, like, I, I personally, like, I just think, like Olivera was incredible this year and there were like a couple games I mean and and you and I pretty much like look there might have been a couple like Ottawa games that I skipped entirely this year but for the most part I try to watch them all maybe not on the night of but like by by the time I'm recording the podcast but like there were just games where Olivera like looked unstoppable like neither of them were outstanding
0: he looked outstanding (laughs) and I think that is I think that's the debate here is that it's not MVP, and you hear it every year, right? It's not the most valuable player. I don't think anybody is denying the fact that Zach Kolaris is the most valuable player on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But when you look at the word outstanding and you, you talk about the impact that you know each you know, player has on a game um certainly you know Zach is an outstanding player there's no doubt about it but Brady Oliveira had a very outstanding year he 2,000 yards from the line of scrimmage the second Canadian ever to do that second yep. to John Cornish out in, in in your neck of the woods uh you know to have the I think it was the fifth highest you know uh rushing total in in um in Bombers history um or eighth one of the two um but a lot of those names like uh, you know, um, ahead of them were, were multiple names, right? So y- you look at you look at what Brady's done, and and I think it's disappointing that a guy like Zach Kolaris isn't isn't you know up for for that kind of award. But I'm with you. I think it does add an intriguing wrinkle with a Brady Oliver, just given what he's done in the different position he's had. That might work for him as a running back. It might work against him. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Is I think a lot of people thought maybe Vernon Adams might get past Brady. Um, because of that same comparison but that didn't happen so let's just let's just put our trust in the voters and see what happens
1: yeah i and i you know what i i think that i again i think the voters got it completely right um and i think that you you kind of kind of referenced it it was nice this year and this is probably a little bit of winnipeg fatigue but it was nice this year that at least going into october we were having like fun debates about this um because vernon mm-hmm. was right there like mm-hmm. the bombers beating the lions the way that they did um their I mean. A, all full marks to vernon but then vernon only playing the first half against calgary the whole thing like it just ultimately was just weird i
0: think that was unfairly against him because it was just a weird situation all around
1: yeah it was and like this is the thing that i was talking to jamie nye on his show earlier and jamie was like well how much stock do you put in the stamps absolutely destroying the lions two weeks ago i have no idea that was like one of the weirdest games i've ever i've ever seen like so you draw. don't have,
0: like. So how much stock did you? How much stock do you put in there? Because I I feel like, depending on who you ask, there's different percentages of stock or or, or how much stock someone's putting into that.
1: Yeah, I put very little stock in it uh, as someone who watched the Stampeders very closely and then watched and like, again they rested a lot of guys against Winnipeg and and, and didn't try to do much, but they right. sort of reverted to the mean and, and and looked pretty bad in that, like got stomped by the Bombers. Who have just now twice beaten the Stampeders without Zach, which is nuts. Um, but I just, I I have a hard time. The Stamps looked one way every single game, except this game that supposedly the Lions were trying, but were sitting their top receiver and took out their top or their quarterback at halftime. Like, how hard were they trying?
0: Well, how and much now, were they willing to show, right? Because, you, you know, like like the game was for something technically, but. I was assuming the Bombers would lose out the regu- the rest of the season. So I, you know, I think that was probably Rick Campbell's situation at halftime. While it was certainly odd about him talking about a Vernon Adams being a guy who, you know, didn't want to be a hero today. Right. Let's save it for the playoffs. Like I, you know, I, I it was just a good think quote. It, it was a great quote. It was a, you know, and, and, going out of his way to say he was healthy, like, you know, I mean, that was, that was also an interesting tidbit, but I just, you know, I don't think that they were showing them everything. And I mean, I, but I, on the flip side, very obvious that calgary has some solid running backs yep. um to the point where you know dedrick mills is from what i understand gather is might not be on the roster uh for for the west semifinal. that's how good they are at running back so you know peyton logan and kadeem Carey, the other way around getting Carey and peyton logan mm-hmm. um you know certainly fed them their you know they fed them their lunch that that game so i think maybe there is a blueprint there and like
1: one of the things in that game being like sort of the Calgary reporters, they also got Bryce Bell back. So they actually had one of their starting tackles back, which opened up the run game a little bit. Like he'd been out, he'd been on the six game injured list. So the offensive line was better. They also really pressured like Vernon in the first half. They, they got to Dane Evans. They like the defensive line looked better. Mike Moore, who, who I did not expect Mike Moore to have an impact on the end of the season. Like there were things that you looked at and thought, okay, well, this is what the Stampeders can do. But for me, like, if the Stampeders have any shot against the Lions, ultimately, they have to trust Jake Mayer to look downfield and, like, live with the mistakes if they happen. If they just try to dink and dunk, they're not very good at dink and dunking. So, like, they need to open up the the long passing. And, and that really only goes through Reggie Bagleton. And I think we saw that a little bit against the Lions, but... What are you gonna do? Like if you're if you're the bombers, like this is this is my test. If you were the bombers, the bombers would way rather see the Stampeders than the Lions in the West Final,
0: right? You know what? It's a good question. I think this might be the only year where I say yes. Because there's always yes. been a, a concern with the with the Stampeders, just obviously their legacy, you know, their history against Winnipeg. I think there's always been a little bit of a I don't want to say like paranoia playing them, but I just think, you know, but this year I just, it's hard to like, I mean, you mentioned a guy like Reggie Bagleton, like how do you not give that guy a ton of credit for having to, you know, for what he did this season under the circumstances he was forced to play with, with, you know, the, the receiving group being decimated and, and really being the, 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 you know, Mark and Michelle had flashes to be sure, but just the guy was just, you know, double coverage was coming up with big plays. So it's, you know, it's just it, it's it's hard to really look at the stamps the same way as a 6 and 12 team and be like scared of them. But I do think the difference is to a certain point is I think Calgary's a little more battle tested when it comes to the weather. So if it is, I think the weather does become a little bit of the great equalizer. It forces you to run the ball. And so if it's if it's pound, you know, pound the rock time, I, I probably would be a little bit more worried about Calgary's running backs than, than BC's. I just, you know, I, I, I see BC as a very, you know, and they might shove this down my throat by having a great playoff, you know, run and, and maybe even get into the great cup. But, you know, they're a team that come that I still think after 18 games is still very much learning how to win and lose, you know, there's yep. a, a weird maturity to the BC lions. And I just think, you know, adversity is not their friend. You know, the bombers are battle tested. They, you know, adversity is their friend. They don't panic. They don't get worried. They don't have meltdowns on the sideline. Now, having meltdowns on the sideline, to be sure, is not an indicator of, of lack of success because the Argos did that in spades all of last <laughs> season and, and won the Great Cup. But it's just mm-hmm. something there's just something about VC and hearing Vernon Adams say a month ago that it was only like a month before that that he felt like it was really his team. And it just kind of speaks to me a little bit about the leadership group there. And I'm not trying to be too harsh on them, but it's just you see a lot of instances with, uh, you know, meltdowns on the sideline and just guys getting upset. And from what I understand, like, you know, it was that loss to Winnipeg, which was a beatdown earlier in the year, was, you know, a real test to their locker room. So it will be interesting. I think Rick Campbell's a great coach. I think they haven't – there's no doubt at all that they are stacked with talent. They're a talented group of players. It's just about – them finding that talent on that Saturday and, and getting it done. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think Calgary, just the way they've been, I think the Bombers, I think you're right. The Bombers would probably welcome a Calgary matchup, but who knows?
1: Yeah. I mean, my, I guess the argument for why, like, I don't think that the Bombers look at either of these two teams and are particularly, no, I don't want to say that they're not worried. I mean, they're going to do their prep. I'm not saying anything less than that, but there's a thing with the lions where it's like the lions gave them their best punch in early October. And the and, and the bombers took it. Like in an absolute must-win game at BC Place, biggest game of the season, like the bombers took the punch and, and rolled and, and and won the game, which I think gives you a ton of confidence. Plus, it's the cold weather. My thing with just Calgary is honestly like I feel basically since twenty nineteen when the bombers just stomped the stamps in the West semifinal on that freezing day at McMahon. Right. I feel like the stamps always were like Okay, we gotta get the bombers. We got and every game was like coming down to the last minute. They were incredible games, and you were just waiting for the playoff matchup. Right now, like the stamps just aren't that team. Part of that is they've got what 15, 16 players on the six-game injured list. Like there are oh, excuses yeah. here. Um, but there's just never been a, a moment, to be honest. There was not a moment all season
0: where I looked at the stamps and said, Okay, they figured it out. They Except won for two a, games in a row once once exactly and so once it's like how against- can you really feel good about a team that doesn't win more than two games in a row you know
1: exactly uh which is why i mean i, I do not to transition completely because i want to come back to the west but like the east playoffs are way more interesting this year
0: isn't that funny how it worked out eh how, how, how the standings worked out where you know I, there wasn't really a fear of a crossover either way but you look at what montreal's been doing you look at you look at Hamilton's kind of resurgence in the you know, they lost, I think, their last two games. Um, so it's not exactly like riding super high going to the playoffs, but they certainly separated themselves. Um, right. and then and then Montreal. Man, like Montreal. Like I just I still don't have a read on them. And they might they might dribble kick their way to a, a date right into the, <laughs> right the, the Great Cup. They might just be turning, you know, they might It's amazing that they did it again. It's it's amazing that they did it again. It was funny. It's turned into a problem since they executed it twice, right? Like a bunch of people think it's, you know, it was hilarious and awesome the first time around, but do it again. It's just whatever. But back to the point, like Montreal has just been an exciting team. They've won, you know, you talk about playing your best football, heading into the playoffs. I'd argue you know, certainly Toronto's in that group. I mean, they were they were playing great football with a lot of backups for the last third of their season. But the other two teams I put there is in Winnipeg, who's been, you know, playing some of their best football late in the season and, and Montreal. They're they're heading into the playoffs on a five game win streak. So I think that one's gonna be a weight. That one's gonna be an I don't want to say tighter game, because I think there's potential for the Lions and, and stamps to be tight too. But I think you're right. I think the the more intriguing matchup is over on the east side, which is not always something we say.
1: Yeah, I also think like, yeah, Hamilton may have lost their last two, but the final game of the season doesn't super count to me. Um, And like, the reality is, I I like, I can't believe I'm going to say this, because I don't believe, like, I think you want your quarterback situation like solved by the playoffs. But I do like that they kind of have two guys. Like, if Bo goes in and looks like Bo did earlier this year and is throwing interceptions, he's not going to last very long. And, And I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, they have a security blanket for... Bo, who also could potentially like it, it the, he's still Bo Levi Mitchell. He's still got that potential. I think that defense is clicking Um, and I think you're playing and like, I hate to say this and he's probably earned the right for me not to say it, but like you're playing for Fajardo.
0: <laughs> I, you know, those are all, those are all fair points. I mean, the thing is, is like, it's interesting, right? Because Bo, like it makes sense that you're, you know, if, if they start Bo, if they go with Bo and that seems to be where they're trending, I think Bo got the day off today. I, I think Matthew Schultz was taking a majority of the first team reps or whatever. But I think that's just more load management in the week. You know, all buzz is saying that Bo Levi Mitchell is going to start the game. So it, it makes sense to start Bo because while, you know, he might not be the Bo that we used to know. Uh, he still comes with a ton of experience, right? So there's almost like a certain calmness that comes with him for the other players too, right? Where they see this guy who's been there, done that. The moment's not too big. And to your point, Danny, like if I think the leash is going to be incredibly small, I think it has to be incredibly small because if he starts, you know, if he has a quarter and he's not been playing, like we've seen from him the last couple of weeks when he's gotten into games and he starts, you know, throwing, if there's turnovers or whatever, I think that's where Matthew Schiltz comes in and shines. Right, I think he's like. I think he's used mm-hmm. to being the guy off the bench, used to coming in in circumstances. So I do think that's a, it's a good setup. I I do wonder though, man. Like, and not to change the topic, but like between Bo Levi Mitchell, Jeremiah Masoli, who's talking about coming back next season, and Trevor Harris, like it's just with all the new emerging quarterbacks this season, like all the young guys that have have shown flashes how do any of those three guys come back on their current constructed deals
1: so who of this year's young crop of quarterbacks like i'm just assuming that jake is going to continue being the starter in calgary regardless Mm -hmm. of what Mm -hmm. happens um again i've said this i think trey like i think an nfl team would be crazy not to give him a look I, I just expect I think he, he needs a, a
0: little bit more seasoning. Like, I think he needs another year. Like, I don't think there'd be a lot of teams with a Trey Ford, like looking, you know what I mean? Like if Nathan Rourke can't do what he did and get down there, like unless it's a completely different conversation we're having, right? Where it's a guy who's the mobile guy, right? Like we thought that was the case with Chris Streveler. Like this is a unique, like this is a linebacker turned quarterback who just, you know, the, the best you're going to get out of him is his ability to run for five or six yards of carry because he'll truck guys. But they made him a passer in the NFL. Like he he still had to <laughs> no. be a passer. So I, I you know I, I think your point stands, but I just I wonder if it's not another year. But anyways, you're talking about the, the No, and I don't I
1: players. I don't look. I think that the smart thing, like the betting, the betting odds would say bet him on him going in another season. It's just like you always hear guys with a really, really unique physical skill, teams are gonna want, and they're gonna develop, and that guy's legit fast. And I oh, know yeah. that because Mike Rose at one point joked to me because he was getting asked, this is last year because the Stamps played the Elks. And he was asked like so many times about playing Trey Ford with his speed. And at one point, Mike Rose was like, I did play against Lamar Jackson, guys.
0: And then after they
1: played him this year, he was like, no, that guy's fast. Like, I I do think that it's like unique enough that a team might want to just get him in their system and start and start working and developing him. I know that's also typically not how things go in the NFL. So, but either way, like, I don't think Dustin Crum is going to be a starter next
0: year. So this is my thing with those three teams I just mentioned. They all have. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. If you wanna tell people the big news, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, a guy in the waiting. So my point isn't that you necessarily, you necessarily just you know, just completely dissolve yourself of a Trevor Harris or a Bo Levi Mitchell or a Jeremiah Masoli. But you, but you are setting yourself up, man. That if you bring those guys back and they get injured again, like you can't just be like, oh, like you didn't expect that was happening. Like I want nothing more than Jeremiah Masoli to come back and play on the field. But if, that was
1: Achilles, wasn't it? It was, Achilles, was Achilles,
0: a ruptured God. Achilles. So like late thirties. And well, and that's the thing. And like Trevor Harris, like yeah, we get it. He's like a Tom Brady, you know, <laughs> kind of guy who has incredible, you know discipline and nutrition and all those things, but he's up there in his late thirties now. And so like, if those guys, those guys bodies are breaking down and Bo's the same, man, we, you know, Bo had a, a couple good flashes your last couple of weeks, but we haven't seen the guy dominate since 2018, you know? So it's like, no. you know, so it's like, I, I, I mentioned restructured contracts because I think you need to have, I think you have some competition in camp. Like, I think Dustin crumb needs to go into Ottawa next year and be in a battle for the starting role, if that's against Jeremiah Masoli, I'm not saying hand the guy the reins. I'm yeah. saying he's in the battle. Jake Dolagala should be in the battle if they bring back Trevor Harris.
1: City, city.
0: Well, why not though? Why not though? You know what I mean? Like there were flashes. It was his first year. Dustin Crumb's first year. It was, that is true. You know being... these guys. These guys. Like you talk to any quarterbacks, man. Talk to Cody Fajardo. Talk to Jason Motz. He's probably the best guy. To talk to you because when he was in Toronto, he used to take guys like Zach Kolaris and other, you know, Cody and Cody Fajardo and those guys who were in that system and used to take them outside of practice and give them reps, give them real reps. Because Ricky Ray took all the reps, he took every hmm. single rep. There was no sharing reps. So Jason Moss used to take these guys and show them. So when you talk to these guys about how they got their start in the CFL, for some, including Cody Fajardo, it took years as a backup, and then you need to execute when you get the opportunity. One bad game could mark the end of your career. And so, like, to see Dustin Crumb do what he did, to see Jake Doligala beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and beat the BC Lions this year, you know what I mean? We talk about how great Toronto is, and they have been great. They had by far the easiest schedule in the CFL. You know, all those bye weeks that all of a sudden were such a joke that they had three bye weeks early in the year? Well, thank goodness that they – got those victories when they were all rested that they could just sit for the last <laughs> third. They That's played DC, they played BC and Winnipeg once each. And they didn't you know and I'm not taking away from the Argos in their fight. Mm-hmm. I mean they lost by whatever, what 10, 12 points against the Bombers, but they pulled they pulled their backup to put in <laughs> another backup in the fourth quarter. So there was there's impressive things, but they had an easy schedule. Yeah. But my my point is is that like back to my original point was that you need to bring these younger guys in not like, you know, Bring back the old guard and old vets and hope for different results. You need to have a competition in there, but you can't pay these guys $500,000 a season as maybes. You know what And I
1: mean? that's 100%. Like, you're 100% right. My thing is, like, I still would. Like, look, Mazzoli, that one's tough. Like, I, I have a hard time, and I'm not trying to. Like, hey, go for it, bud. But, like, you're at a certain age. Achilles injuries, you never really come back from, no matter what anyone says. But, like, Trevor Harris... Like that, Riders team was significantly better with Trevor Harris. I don't lately.
0: agree. I don't agree, man. Like he, they were. He was okay, but they weren't great. Like Trevor Harris was not great before he got hurt. Like he, they was weren't worked... seven losses
1: in a row. Bad.
0: No, I mean, no, for sure not. And that's where the experience comes in. That's where you know, and and Trevor Harris had flashes of greatness. Well, yeah. well, in a Riders, but I think that I think those flashes, like there's a couple beautiful tosses he throws out to the sideline that I don't think a lot of quarterbacks can throw in the first few weeks but that was mixed in with a lot of garbage passes too and a lot of ineffectiveness like Trevor Harris like the the riders were not rolling but to your point you know what a what a what an absolute collapse at the end of the season you, you you'd have to think that Trevor Harris would have brought some stability and 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 most likely some wins to that and would have been I mean, enough like, to get in the playoffs
1: I can't prove it but like mm-hmm. they would have made the playoffs that he
0: you know, I agree with that. I, I I agree with that because you have to lose the way they lost to get out of the like The fact that the Riders didn't make the playoffs is absolutely surreal.
1: Oh, I mean, the first half of the Banjo Ball broke them. Like I don't understand how it happened, but how they went from beating the Lions and the Bombers to like Zach having the single best half by a CFL quarterback I've ever seen, and then mm-hmm. the Riders just never recovered. Like There's got to be a deep dive into what exactly broke in that half because like they were better than they were in the last two months. The last two months make no sense.
0: No, and they are. but I, I I, think they're just not like BC. They're worse as far as locker room, right? Like, they might have some maturity stuff in BC, but they got the talent. And in Saskatchewan, it's just like you can tell guys are on their own agendas, you know? Like, even even great players like Moncrief, like, would lose it, right? Would lose it on guys. <laughs> and like, you, you would just never like, – you know, you just never understood. And then you'd always see Dave or Craig Dickinson in the background, like trying to get things in order, but like the guy's pretty much treating him like the substitute teacher. You know what I mean? And that just like, that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, that's how, that's how you lose seven games in a row. You know what I mean? That's how you, you know, is, is, is that you buy into your own height and there is no accountability. It doesn't matter if it's football, NHL, whatever. When you have a locker room that doesn't have accountability, you're not going to win a lot of games.
1: No, I don't disagree with that. Um, who do you think they? Who would you, like? It's it's the cl- question that I get asked when they go on radio. Like, I still think if you can get Milanovic, you'd be crazy not to bring him in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about Milanovic, but certainly, like, you know, his experience in the league, and you know, I just don't know much about a, him as a human. And the reason I bring that up um, is because I think that that's a big part of the puzzle here. Like, I think as a head coach. There's and I wrote about this in my in my weekly CFL rundown column this past week. I don't know if Henry Burris is the right pick, who, who's gained a lot of momentum, you know, um, you know, That'd or Scott Milanovich. Nice. But I think as a head coach, I mean, of course, you need to know the game. Of course, you need to, you know be passionate about it. You need to put in the hours. You need to care. And I don't think there's a single head coach in the in in the entire CFL that doesn't have that. That doesn't, you know, breed eat and breathe football. That isn't staying in their offices till midnight on most nights, trying to figure yeah. out a way to be team. I think the big difference is you have to be a leader of men. You have to have players who have enough respect for you that they, they know not to cross the line. You need to, but you also need to have accountability and rules in place. Like a lot of the stuff that we saw, and I don't want to beat up on Craig Dickinson, because he's probably the the nicest guy in the entire CFL. He's the best. Like, I don't even think it's debatable. But he clearly did not have, you know, a a leash on his guys. He didn't have those guys, and those guys didn't respect him enough to follow the rules. And they didn't have a leadership group to enforce the rules that the coach has. And so the coach needs to have the respect of the locker room, and then he needs to put great people around him. Because it's the people around him that are going to make him look like a good coach. And so he, so the head coach, in my opinion, installs the culture, brings in a leadership group, which is obviously in charge of the GM as well, to bring in those guys that are not just talented, but are accountable and are going to set the example for the rest of the team, whether it be veteran or, or, or rookie players. And then you need to have the people around you doing their jobs because once the culture's in set, you have good people doing their jobs, everything falls into place. Yep. And so whether you're, you know, a Scott Milanovic who has tons of experience in this league and has won in this league, or you're a Henry Burris who has no head coach in this league, but we all know what he was like as a leader on the field. You know, I just I think you need to bring in a guy that's really going to inspire everybody. And then again, have that talent around.
1: Yeah. And it's it's the piece that I I do think it's tough because like we both and i mean i will name two like devon claybrooks was an incredible defensive coordinator who lasted a season in bc and it went very poorly paul la is a guy who was a great coordinator in in bc elsewhere did not work in ottawa like it's it's just a different job and i mean i always say i'm like look man I, i can tell you what bar coaches go to after a stamps win in calgary i'll tell you who's not there dave dickinson right like You know, the head coach doesn't get to do that stuff. The head coach has to go and watch tape or doesn't have to. It's what they do. And it's just, it is a different job. And it's always where it's hard for me. Like the guy I know will be a good head coach at some point is Corey Mace. Right. I genuinely think Corey Mace is perfectly happy right now, continuing to learn and grow as a defensive coordinator and. Insert
0: Buck Pierce. (laughs) (laughs) Same same story. And even talking to Mike O'Shea today, because I asked Mike about winning that, you know, or not winning, being nominated out of the West as a coach of the year. you know, Mike was never going to talk about himself. So I asked about what it meant for his coaching staff, right? And and he kind of, he you know, he mentioned getting up on his soapbox, and you know Mike O'Shea. He doesn't yep. often get up on his soapbox, but he talked about, you know, coaches, great coaches, and he never mentioned Buck by name, but Richie's also included in that list, and Corey in Toronto, obviously, and, and more coordinators around the league, is that they deserve to get paid accordingly, because they do well at what they do. And often, yep. to your point, we look at a, you know, success and experience and we automatically equate it to a leader of of a team, you know, a la La Feliz, a la, um, you know, Devon Claybrooks, right? Like, we just assume that it's going to work.
1: Was he there, was that a subtle reference to the coaching cap? Was that what he was yeah, trying absolutely. to get at? 100%. Okay, good, just wanted absolutely. to make sure I read yeah, that like right.
0: he, he even mentioned the cap, so it wasn't even subtle. Like okay. he said, you know, he just, yeah, absolutely.
1: The coaching cap remains, like, I occasionally... As you know, people yell at you on Twitter for stuff. And Mm -hmm. there are fans who just genuinely are like, no, the coaching cap is vital. And like, I just, I think that they're dead wrong. I just like...
0: Well, the coaching cap is vital, not, not because it's vital for the improvement or the quality of coaching in the CFL. It's vital because you had guys like Chris Jones and an organization like Saskatchewan Rough Riders that enabled him to com- be completely ridiculous. Like, remember the remember that that CFL week where they were doing interviews for draft players, and there was like thirty employees. And remember that was the same year they had like a second ro- practice roster team. Like, it's just once you abuse the rules, because this thing here's here's the thing about the CFL. So man, is that abusing yeah. the rules? Like, is that abusing the rules? though? like it's it's them gaining a well, competitive advantage. Well, it's just so yes, so uh, yes, so technically not against rules it would be against rules now but to me mm-hmm. it's just it's just I think it's fiscally responsible like I think some of these okay. teams need to be held fiscally responsible because I and I also think because you have a team like in Toronto who just happens to be awesome this year and has been good for years they're not investing in 30 coaches you know what no, I mean so course. like so you kind of you know and, and whereas in Saskatchewan they might be all more than happy now the player thing was illegal and they got punished for it right they got exposed for it and punished for it
1: That's, and I think that like my thing is that and the CFL is different but like in every other sport like look if Toronto Maple Leafs have more money if they want a bigger scheduling department and a bigger analytics department and to spend more money we don't limit their ability to do so right. we limit their ability to spend on players now why is that that's a good question but i just it doesn't personally bother me like if if the riders have more money and want to spend more money than the argos like go for it as far as i'm concerned um yeah but fair. there's also a limit to that and if you called me out i'd be like jeff i'm sick i can't actually explain uh, <laughs> <laughs> i can't actually Blaine explain yourself it.
0: no i think no and yeah. i think that's a great point i i'm not suggesting i it, that was put in that was voted on and and yeah. like it wasn't like Randy Ambrosi made the first ever decision on his own and, and yeah, just that's true. put in a like, this was voted on by the leaders of the teams. Yeah. So like they were saving them, you know, I mean, and they probably looked at the rough riders and was just like, hey, like not only were you not doing well, you were, you know, you just were making a bit of a mockery of this thing. And like you And know, you're yeah.
1: yeah, you're changing the market, which is also part of the problem. For which, sure. Um, which I get.
0: Um I don't really, know. I don't like oh. how it sticks with the cap. I don't like how it stays with the cap, right? Like if you want to, like you can't make a mistake. So it, put it, 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 it puts teams in weird positions where, you know, they can't really get rid of Chris Jones if they wanted to, because yeah. of the cap, you know, you know, after that first year, if you're like, mm, wow, this isn't, you just brought in a bunch of aging 30 year olds and, 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 and this is embarrassing. Like you might just want to be, you know, you're done. Right. But, but, I think you have, you know, where the money comes into play is you can make decisions where it's not screwing you, where you're not making decisions based on where you need to fit the money in the cap. Like Bob Dice is a a great example. Bob Dice, there's no way that that I mean, I know the reports came out this week. There's no way that the Red Blacks were going to let him go. They just made him the coach last year was the first year, or this year was the first year of a three-year deal. Why would you pay Bobby Dice two more years? No, you know, no. like under, under, when you can, under the current, you know, cap, the non-player operations cap. So it, it is a little bit of a funky thing, but it was brought in and voted on by ownership because, because for an obvious reason, it was gained out of control.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I had, <laughs> I had coaches literally because it was the president's who voted on it. And I know that at the time, one of the things that coaches said to push back was like, why is there no limit on president's salaries, but there's limits on ours. Um, and like, there's yeah, a 1000000 issues. They ain't voting on that one. They're not. They're definitely not voting on that one. But yeah, I mean, look, it's that that that's small. I will say I'm generally happy with the all stars. I don't have any. Like I'm not gonna waste any time here. I I, I don't like the Cam Judge. Like personally, I think it should have been Cam Judge and not Mike Ahway. Um, mm. But there were what eleven bombers, I think. In general, I, Jamie 11, and I yeah. asked me about one of the, but one of the DBs. I have trouble voting for DBs. It is something where normally. I canvassed the reporters from around the West division and I'm like, who's good on your team? And
0: and then try to talk to coaches. Um, but I think we did a good job this year. Yeah. I don't, I mean, we did the job. And like, I wrote about this too, is that, you know, people go, well, football reporters don't watch the game. I can give you the list of names. Like everybody yeah. watches football on that list. Like you might not like their, you know, you don't, might not like their, their votes or whatever, but um, everybody is for the most part, not for the most part, everyone's qualified to vote um you know maybe there's some things that we could do as a as a as a as a group that could be more transparent like releasing the votes right on who people <laughs> vote for that would certainly add an element of accountability or any kind of concern that there might be homerism involved here which again i i don't i you know i don't i think have in the like
1: 2016 to 18 era when the stamps were the top team there were moments where i was like oh man like reporters from this market hate Calgary players because. And I was just wrong. Like if there's one thing that it's not, it's Homerism. I will admit I'm I don't always know that I should get to vote for like the all star left guard. There are times when with offensive line and I just have to rely on what coaches tell me. I just don't have any choice. I can't I don't watch the Winnipeg interior of the offensive line well enough. I openly admit that. It is basically me speaking to a bunch of people and coming to a consensus on
0: what on where those votes should go. Um, so I should add some br- not breaking news, but a little bit of insider info to the uh, <laughs> live from the 55 podcast. I actually decided on Calgary's offensive lineman, did you? That, that was tied, and I know Ryan Scribier had a great season, and I know that Sean McEwen was also up. They were tied, I'm shocked. And that. and so, so here was my thing like, to your point, I didn't just go. I'm going to pick, first of all, I don't feel all that comfortable making decisions out of other markets. But what did I do? I called four teams. (laughs) And I asked them, players on their D-line, who they play against. And I asked them, and it was, and Sean McEwen won by one vote. Wow. That's amazing. And so, like, you know, I'm not, and there was about, I think I had 11 votes because I needed to be odd. And I got these text messages came in over the next few hours of who, who, who they would have voted for. And it was by one. And so I took the vote out of my hands and went to people that I trusted when it covers them. And, you know, and, and even then I, part of me was thinking if it's so close between these two guys, why wouldn't I just give it to Ryan? Right. I mean, yep. because whatever. McKeel had wanted, it a million
1: times. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I want to, and I want to, and I wanted to, Talk to people who knew the position that played against the position, because. But to my point, though, is that it's that like everyone talks about the vote, you know, the FRC voters and the head coaches. Is that the right mix? Well, we all saw the outrage when we gave it to fans. Like, you know, like, I've never faced more criticism in my life, personally, over a choice when they, and then felt such validation when it came out, and it was fans that that voted this that the that the CFL somehow put too much weight. The yep. other thing is players. Again, I know I'm about to contradict myself here because I asked those players, but I don't know if we can trust players.
1: The CFLPA all-star list is not
0: better. Exactly. It's just, it, it, I think there are guys out there that are just disliked. Yep. You know what I mean? And nobody would vote for a guy they don't like. Like, I think there is personal grudges. I think there's a, there, look, there's a bias in everything. There's no such thing as a non-biased, objective um, voter because everyone has their own biases whether they're from a market whether they watch more teams than others or whatever um so in 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 my in my belief i think that that voters who cover it and our journalists are tasked to be journalists are well not perfect and arguably okay. far from it are probably the most qualified to make the decisions I'm, I agree and i will do say, their research
1: and i will say so, like i i genuinely like look i think that cam judge instead of Mike Holloway, should have been an all-star that is my one sort of like But I don't know. I'm not going to comment too much. But, like, when it comes to the Calgary votes, I didn't have Renee Paradis as my special teams player. I didn't even have Mike O'Way in my top two for defensive player. Like, Mm. I also disagreed with the Calgary voters, who are people I'm friends with and talk to pretty much every day about the CFL. So, like, what you do realize is that ultimately, like, this is objective or this is subjective at some point. Like, it's just, I think we got it pretty close to right this year.
0: I, hey, I like to think that every year, but you know what? I also appreciate <laughs> other people's opinions, you know, and I think it's, you know, I think what's lost in, in maybe some of the criticism is the passion that people have to yeah. care enough that these people are even being nominated for the awards. To me, that's great news. I hope you bash, you know, I mean, take it easy on the criticisms, but like, you know, on yeah. the personal insults, but if you disagree and want and have an opinion about it, I'm all for it. I'm all for yeah. your opinion. That's why it's a democratic process. You know, it's not like one guy is making the decision or one girl is making the decision. It's a group of people, and then there's the results.
1: And like, we need more debate. Like, that's the funny thing. It's like I like led with being like, "How did it feel to be a Winnipeg voter who apparently got it so wrong on that?" Like, I love that three down disagrees like this vehemently with Brady, Brady LaMair. Like, I love it. It's fun. Like,
0: I don't know actually... if they just dis- yeah. Like, but like I said, like I think if it's not Brady, if it's if it's Zach and not Brady, then then you know, our boys over at three down are writing about how the, <laughs> exactly. the Winnipeg guys shafted one of their own. You know what I yep. mean? Like I just, it's just, and, and I love that too. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm all about debate, man. I'm all about criticism and, and trying to find better ways to do it. In fact, you know, I keep referencing my column, but that's what my lead in was is that the process is flawed. Like, why do we need, why do we need team awards? Like, why, why, why yes. does it, why does a guy need to be best defensive player on his team? Like I get, that's kind of cool to win that award. And, players might have goal, goals of that of course and maybe even have that in their contracts as incentives that they win the team level but like what what i think robs true voting and prevents a, a situation like a, why is all, Brady Oliveira and Zach Cleres why is it one or the other why can't it be both why can't we decide who the top 5 MOPs are in the entire comp, in the entire division and then vote on those guys regardless of whose team it is like why do we yeah. need an Ottawa MOP you know what I mean? Like, why do we need a why, why do we need an Edmonton MOP? Like Trey Ford wasn't winning anything. Like no. like like the only and, and and the fact of the matter is with the current sits um system, everyone was talking about whether it was gonna be Brady or Zach versus V, you know, VA, right? Where it could be Brady versus Zach versus VA versus Matthew Betts versus whoever, right? Like bring in all those guys and then have them voted and then and then make it a vote. And and I think you prevent those kind of things. But that's something that you know, obviously would need to be talked about at a league level and a player level. And I think the PA really does enjoy the team awards, but I, I'd like to see in the future those things change. Cause while you know I know there's a lot of traditionalists in this league and I'm not I'm not suggesting we go to four down, just to be clear. I'm just I'm <laughs> saying I think we can look at the voting process and come up with better ways and, and more accurate ways of determining who actually is is uh, deserving of those awards.
1: No, and I agree and I, I'm always I'm never I, I would always agree with that. While also again Like, this is just a year where when I looked, I wasn't that outraged. And, like, I just bring myself back to a year ago. And, like, the morning where it had snowed, like, a foot and a half, the stamps were practicing indoors, and I showed up and and saw the All-Stars. And then you and I basically broke it together that they would sent out the wrong the wrong list and like today it was just a better day than than it was last year that's all it's i'll definitely, say it's like yeah I just it, was definitely, I, it was
0: definitely yeah. a better day for the league and for three down football overall compared to what it was like last year
1: exactly um all right well buddy uh wanna free press i i mean i i will recommend checking out all your bomber stuff but that weekly cfl column is honestly the best read so also people should definitely check that out i don't think you want to throw it to or
0: no man just, that's i really appreciate coming on i you know i'm you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours right now. You know, I think it's, I've said this to you lots of times, man. I think these podcasts are awesome. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I love what three down does with their podcasts. I love what you do with your podcast. I, I, you know, like there's, there's a real appetite I think for, for CFL football and, and just knowledge around the league, right. Things that are going on. I think uh, the more we have that, the, the, you know, it, it's our role in, in a way that to, to help grow the game and, and, um, be part of, you know, the stakeholders you hear so much about, right? Whether that be the fans, the the players or, or, or the media, right? Like it's, we all kind of have a role here and, and certainly bringing attention to it, whether it be negative or, or positive um, is attention nonetheless. So, you know, love what you're doing here, man. Appreciate you doing it all season. I hope you have a couple more episodes at least. And, um, you know, certainly want to hear your voice talking about, uh, the CFL through the great cup. So I'm going to probably pressure you a little bit here. I know, I know you I got think- a heavy plate, man. You might be the hardest working guy in Western Canada, but
1: yeah. Um, and just, just to be clear there, the plan is basically like we're tied a little bit to the stamps, but we'll, we'll do a great cup episode. It's just, yeah. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like
0: I want to hear Busby's ridiculous takes for another week. You know what <laughs> no. I mean? I want, <laughs> I, want to, I want to see him and the wacky thoughts in his brain, driving up to the studio. And I want to hear them all spill out for at least a Busby is
1: moments. going to Grey cup. Um, yes. Like, god help us all um you'll be there regardless or no yeah
0: that's the plan definitely obviously when the bombers are there it might be a bit of a modified trip uh if if they're not but uh, i've been pretty spoiled going to the last seven or so so um you know the bombers have lived up to their end of the deal with getting me there so i think with work and how much we're putting into our travel and uh, you know covering the cfl this year and of course the nhl this year with the jets um it might just be a bit modified but how about them adding another day to the great cup like Like, that wasn't enough, you know? So, am I right?
1: Uh, I don't know. You know what? I'll just ask directly because you don't have to answer. Is it true that Ambrosi is going on the Tuesday? Like, the commissioner... Tuesday morning, which is odd. So
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's odd. But it's after, like, it's... I don't know it's after. I don't know how early it is. Like, it's not... I don't think it's, like, 8.15 like it was in previous years. That's when they really test you. I think it's a little later in the day, maybe, like, 10 or so. But, um yeah that that is i i can confirm that the commissioner's
1: address tuesday. is on the tuesday. tuesday
0: which we're trying to work in getting getting in um you know some online opportunities right because i think it's going to be i mean they better because it's just going to be a rash otherwise <laughs> it's just going to just gonna be a rash to the microphone and, 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 and maybe and myself just, yeah, yeah. maybe well uh, all right buddy and, and you know probably- what in some in some ways man I might just be enough to just get the scathing questions out and just get, cause there's, I was actually starting to make my list Scaling, Look at me. Um, I was starting to make my list of league topics yesterday. <laughs> I was going through stats and I was going through the the dribble kick. And like, there's a lot of interesting they things better you know. not
1: get rid of the dribble kick, man.
0: Oh, I don't think they, yeah, I don't, you know, they certainly won't get rid of it this year, but there might be teams out there that are like, come on. You know what I mean? Like it changes <laughs> so the way defenses are playing, but yeah, we'll see. Lots of excitement coming up here, man.
1: You bet. All right. Thank you, Jeff. That's it. Appreciate you, bro. Guys, what are you doing tonight? I don't know what you're doing tonight. You're probably looking for something. Guys, you got to go check out Muggs Pub. This is probably my favorite pub in the city, 1330 15th Avenue Southwest, right in the belt line. Honestly, they do it all. I, for years, played trivia on Wednesday nights at Muggs. It's the best trivia night in the city. Other nights, they got music. They got specials every single night. Some of the best food and drink specials in the entire city are at Muggs Pub. You want wine, you want beer, you want cocktails. They got it all. Big fan of their fish and chips. They got some amazing pizza. You want to watch the game? They got TV screens. You want to just have a drink with friends? Perfect spot to do it. You want to have some food? As I said, it's delicious. Mug's Pub. We love having them as a sponsor. We love having them just down the road from us here at our studios. Check out Mug's Pub. They're the best. All right. Thank you again to Jeff Hamilton. Honestly, I'm so appreciative of him for dropping by. I want to make sure we got him on one more time. He is one of the people who... For years now, whenever I would roll into Winnipeg, whenever the Bombers were in Calgary, one of the real highlights of my CFL season was getting to talk to Jeff, catch up, and you know, grab a drink or, or or dinner. Uh, one of the things I'm truly grateful for, for having covered this league is getting to become better friends with Jeff. Um, there's a lot of great reporters there in Winnipeg, um, but and across the country, but Jeff's the best of them. Uh, wish I could hang out with him at Great Cup, but it's okay guys we got a couple episodes left here sort of depends on what the stamps do um but one or another we're gonna be back sunday we're gonna have Ian busby here you know it's gonna be great uh saturday night in case you're wondering we're gonna be at mugs pub for a little while i'm not gonna be drinking because i'm covering i'm doing some some reporting on that game doing some reporting on the flames game afterwards but um honestly mugs pub is gonna be playing the game with sounds on and that's pretty rad. Uh, not a lot of places are gonna be doing that, but it is gonna be it's gonna be the best place in the city to watch the stamps and the lions, I promise you that. Um, if you're if you're gonna head there, please just give me a shout. Uh, but please, honestly guys, if you're looking for a place to go, support them. Muggs Pub's been a great supporter of ours. Uh I've really, really appreciated them uh coming on board, helping out this little CFL podcast. As we try to try to build something here, and we want to make sure that we we thank them and we pay them. And again, playing that with sound, you're not going to find a ton of bars in Calgary, not very many at all. So it's very cool that they continue to sort of um, be there for for the Canadian football community here in Calgary. It's going to be an awesome time. Um, I'll be there. Hit me up if you're going. Uh, I'm not going to buy your beer necessarily, but we can hang out. Um, so yeah, that's it for me. CFL playoff time, guys. It's the best time um i cannot wait to talk to you guys again on sunday about these games stamps lions bomber or not bombers alouettes tie cats what a time to be alive we finally made it uh thank you to you my listeners please like subscribe tell your friends check us out we'll be back um and yeah beyond that thank you mugs thank you fraser and fig thank you nation network we're out peace